back to another Xamarin podcast with me, Mike James, and today I'm joined by Pierce. He's back from holiday. He did what most Europeans do. He took four weeks off work. Good on you. So how was it, Pierce? It was fantastic. I can't really say I blame the Europeans because that was that was an awesome month. I was all over the place. I went to Utah and did some backpacking with my fiance, so that was lots of fun. And then I moved up to Boston, so that's wow. a pretty major change coming from Alabama. Got all moved in and got my office, and so now I'm finally in person in the Boston office after all these years. Fantastic. So you get all the uh, all the free food and lunches and things that get provided. Free food, free lunches, free wine, free wine and cheese. It's, it's fantastic. Oh. I should just point out, if any, any any listeners are jealous of that, we do have open positions. Just xamarin.com forward slash jobs and go and get your free wine and cheese uh, as well as working on some awesome products. Um, so that's, I, I'm extraordinarily jealous, you know, four weeks of just traveling around. That sounds amazing. I should do that at some point. I should take a holiday this year. I think that's priority number one. Um, but anyway, so dev days, lots of traveling uh, for James and Kristen. Uh, where are they going? What's happening with that? Yeah, there's lots of dev days events coming up for now. Uh, all the dates that are posted are in the United States. So next week in Miami, there's a dev days on September 26th. Then October 3rd, we're heading to Portland, Oregon, hopefully to get some coffee and talk about dev days. And then Boston, Massachusetts, my new hometown, October 10th. Vancouver, British Columbia on October 24th, and Washington, D.C. on October 24th. Lots of Dev Days events coming up in the next month. Yeah, that's awesome. And just to say we are still looking at doing some European Dev Days. Um, it's been a bit slower to roll out, um, but I, I was on a call just last week talking about Belgium, um, potentially doing one either in Brussels or Antwerp. Not 100% sure yet. So uh, the ball is still rolling, um, and we're also looking to get some uh, <laughs> London events going as well. So. I feel like that's every podcast. I say something about the US Dev Days and you say, hey, we're still rolling it out for, for Europe. Yeah, well, you know, it's just me over here. You've got an entire office full of people over there in the US. So it's just poor old Mike here, uh, bigging up all of evangelism in Europe. So it's a, it's a big, uh, tall order to uh, make that happen. But we, we're relying a lot on a lot of people in the community. So we're very grateful for that. And uh we had one successful one in Birmingham, thanks to the great work of Dave Evans. We literally couldn't have done that event without him. So, um, you know, we're just trying to find copies of Dave around Europe that can help us make Dev Days uh, a success on the continent. So, yeah, it's happening. I promise. It, it, it's it happening. is happening. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was just last week that I think it was Wednesday, I, I sat stuck to my computer of an evening watching Tim Cook announce some pretty awesome stuff at the the iPhone launch and I thought we'd take today to go and talk about you know some of the new stuff that's been released how that's going to affect us as developers in general and you know how are we going to be able to utilize our existing Xamarin code and use that on things like you know tvOS can we support 3d touch how do we get started with 3d touch on the new iPhone 6 plus s man is that actually what they've called it 6 plus s oh the naming's starting to get bad there's yeah. too many devices now oh I, I, it's almost as bad as El Capitan yeah Tim Tim's not on a hot streak here with the, in regard to naming that's for sure <laughs> 
Like, yeah, you no. gotta imagine, they have, like, a meeting about this, and 6S is the best you got? Like, come on. You got yeah. some of the smartest minds in tech, you got some of the most creative people in the world working at your offices, and you come up with the 6S. Is it 6 plus S or 6S plus? Uh, it's one of the two. I can never remember. I don't like the word plus <laughs> in general, so I'm kind of disappointed that I got snuck in there, but... At least we got a new iPhone, so I guess I can't complain about that. Yeah, although this is the first iPhone where I've not rushed out and pre-ordered it. I, I I'm not particularly excited about owning one. I own a, you know, my my iPhone has got 128 gigs of storage. It's six plus. It replaced my iPad when I got it. I, I don't have an overwhelming desire to to shoot 4K videos. So I don't normally shoot videos. Um, the 3D touch is interesting, but it just feels a little bit to me like they've just implemented yep. long tap from yep. Android. You know, where you long press, where you you hold it for a while. It doesn't. Um, I, you know, my parents already get confused when they're using the iPad, and <laughs> there's no contextual yeah. menus or anything hidden away. So I can't imagine trying to explain to them. You know, yeah, well, you, you tap it once and it will load the app, but if you tap and hold and push it in a bit more i mean my dad's likely to just push through the screen or something um we'll, we'll see so i'm not a huge fan of what was announced um i said i'm a fan of it i just didn't get excited about the iphone um what, what were your thoughts yeah on i kind of felt the same way I'm, I'm still rolling with the 5s so i haven't even gotten on the six the iphone six yeah i'm, I'm way oh, back wow. i'm on the, the iphone 5s train i think it's nice it's one of those things you kind of hope Okay, maybe they held back a little bit. Maybe they got something that worked, you know, for the iPhone 7. It's just going to blow our minds. But like you said, I think 3D Touch can end up being a little confusing, especially to, like, my mom. I, I know that if she tries to use that, there's no chance it's going to go well. She's just going to get confused. So I know some people have, like, vision problems and they get motion sickness. It's just going to be too much. Um, even the parallax messes with my mother. So <laughs> the 3D Touch is going to do a wonder on her. But... I know talking to people that are outside the developer community or outside the technology community, a lot of people didn't even know there. I mean, they knew there was going to be a new iPhone coming out, but they don't really know like the feature set. And I think yeah. that kind of tells you a lot because after Siri came out and after the new you know screen size came out uh, with the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus, people knew about that. But I don't think there's really that many people outside the developer community talking about it. Yeah, completely agree. I think, you know, perfect example of this my my friend down at the local bar he uh he went and bought an iphone just just a few days ago and i was like so did you get the new one i was like no i don't really see the difference apart from this 3d touch so i i think you know it's pretty standard that the s doesn't bring too much to the table that's new and exciting um but th this version in particular uh yeah not a huge fan of um, but the the interesting thing with 3D Touch is that having looked at the APIs and things, um, it seems pretty pretty easy to implement. But there's no yeah. way to test it within the simulator. So right now, you build your app. You, you're like, right, whack in a bit of 3D Touch because I want to be, you know, on the cutting edge of what Apple's creating. Mister Fancy Pants. Absolutely. But you've got no way of testing it in the simulator and no one owns a device yet that supports it. So I'm I'm curious, maybe someone out there can can tell me maybe I've missed a, a shortcut, uh, a keyboard command. But as far as I can see, and a couple of our, our colleagues here, we can't find a way to get this to work within the simulator. 
Um, but naturally, we're going to support it. So as soon as the uh, devices are available to us um, and, and to yourselves, because you can already use the APIs, um, but as soon as you know the devices are out there, you'll you'll be able to take advantage of that. Um, so yeah, iPhone. Meh. Um, but uh, the iPad Pro, the much rumored. I mean, this has been going on for years. People have been saying iPad Pro. Someone's Dang. popular. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's me. Sorry, I should have muted that before we got started. Um, yeah, so the iPad Pro, I think, you know, really everyone's been calling out for a bigger iPad. And Apple have delivered. And they've gone and got a stylus. They're not calling it a stylus. It's a pencil, an Apple pencil. I mean, that I've got to say, when the, when the pencil came on screen, I was like, ooh. There's something quite nice about when they're writing the hello and it's a the same typeface as the original Macintosh with Steve Jobs on the stage just saying hello. I, I really like that. Nice touch. All those drawings um, and stuff they were showing on stage, which, let's be honest, I would never be able to draw. But, I mean, just the fact that it's capable of doing that is really impressive because I know they've had styluses, like crappy third-party <laughs> styluses for the iPad before, but that's like a true stylus that you can do pretty much everything with. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that. I especially like that when they tilted the pencil... Just like on oh, a normal pencil, you would get like yep. the shading, the, the long color. I, I really like that. Um, but a lot of people are comparing this to the Surface Pro. And I think it's very key to make a distinction here. Because I own a Surface Pro 3. Absolutely love the device. I can't foresee ever owning an iPad Pro. It, it isn't a workhorse. It is exactly what an iPad is. It's just bigger. And you get a pen. You know, you're not going to be able to install Visual Studio on it and do any real work. Um, I think it's probably going to be great for students. Um, but if you, I just, we, we were talking about this before the podcast that you've got friends that at university that are now like, oh, I think I'm going to go and get an iPad Pro, and they were originally looking at the SP3. It's like, well, they should yeah. they should go and get an SP3. It's it's a better device in my opinion. It's a full. Windows computer, you get the full experience of Windows 10. You can whack it, and this is a big thing, you can whack it in a dock. So when I'm using my Surface Pro 3 at home, I put it in the dock, I slap in the little side bits, and it's charging, and then it's all my network plugged in on the back, I've got my speakers, all my USB, and it's connected to screens. So I can use it as a real computer. Um, using uh, an iPad Pro for any real work, you're still going to have to have a I think you, you're going to need a real computer. I don't think anyone's going to be yep. writing essays or, you know, doing any real work. To me, iPads are all about consumption. And may, maybe, you know, the iPad Pro will change that to a bit of creation. But I don't know anyone that actually edits movies with <laughs> iMovie on an iPad or, you know, uses GarageBand to make yeah. a song. Uh, that's they one thing I noticed in the right keynote. There. They're always doing all these really complicated so, things that probably take 10 times as long to do on the iPad as they would take on a computer. <laughs> like their boss is super pissed when they find out that they've yeah. done all the editing for their, all the production work for their new album on an iPad instead of a computer. And that's why it's, that's why it's over budget and taking extra time is because they're using the iPad. <laughs> And I mean, it's the the entry price point is seven ninety nine, yeah. and that's for the thirty two yeah. GB, and you'd probably want you know the hundred and twenty eight gigabyte, which is nine forty nine, and you may even want LTE, and you're over a thousand dollars at yeah. that point. It, I mean, even if you get the crappiest iPad Pro, you might as well just buy a MacBook 
MacBook Air because you can get one of those for a thousand dollars now, and usually with discounts they're cheaper. Yeah, but then you don't have the touchscreen, which is why I come back to go and get a Surface Pro. You know, it, it the Surface Pro is like an iPad Pro Pro Pro. You get a real operating system, which is phenomenal. Windows 10 is amazing. I love it. You can use Visual Studio. You can, you know, actually create real content. You get a full keyboard. And that's something else. The keyboard on the iPad Pro looks horrific. Their little copy of Smart Cover. If you see the side profile... It, it it's not very go and google it we'll put a link in the uh in, in the notes it, it's just it's a, a few millimeters too high on one side where the keys are and then it drops by that that couple of mil to be flush so it's kind of got this stepped look when you've got the cover on it um and you, you mentioned the price and obviously you need to add on some money for the uh the keyboard and then you add on another hundred dollars for the pencil so it's not a cheap investment by any stretch, and as I say, I think if you if you want a touch computer that can actually you know that you can sit on the sofa and use as a tablet, but also do some real work, Surface Pro free all the way. Um, yeah, definitely got a bias on that one because as I say, I've I've got an SPC. All I'm using my it. iPad for now is Netflix anyway, so it's basically turned into a device that sits on my nightstand, and I power up netflix every night before i go to bed that's <laughs> essentially what my ipad's been reduced to at this point so apple have just made a bigger portable tv exactly exactly and that's all, all everyone i know that's what they use it for they just put it on their nightstand and watch netflix yeah amazing but we, we all expected at some point an ipad pro everyone moaned about iphones being too small so we got the iphone 6 plus and now we've got the ipad pro which is even better and everyone moaned about apple tv so jailbreakers for the longest time have been able to run modif effectively modified iOS apps on uh, Apple TVs that are out there in the wild. They have to jailbreak them first, and there's a particular version of Apple TV that you can't jailbreak. I think it's the one that you went... If you go out and buy one today, you can't jailbreak that. You need the old one. And they are super expensive now on eBay because people wanted to be able to jailbreak them. So everyone was kind of like, well, yeah, I want to be able to write apps for this. You know, I've got an idea for a game that I want for the TV. And why, why can I not create apps for Apple TV? And I think we all kind of got this hint with the Apple Music launch that maybe Apple TV was on the horizon. I certainly remember tweeting that, you know, they filled 20 minutes of playing us, you know, a party playlist. It felt like they had cut something from the presentation. I think it's probably safe to say that Apple TV was meant to be, you know, debuted then. Um, but actually what they've released is is quite incredible. So it is a, a whole new operating system, but based on iOS. So much like watchOS is based on iOS, um, you can use iOS APIs. You get access to UIKit. So your existing applications that you've built, be them in Swift, Objective-C, or if you're intelligent, C-sharp, um, <laughs> you'll be able to bring those over to Apple TV and you can bring in your storyboards. Now, naturally, your storyboards are going to need some tweaking. And this is the key thing, because I put it in a blog post that uh, it supports storyboards and you can, with a bit of tweaking, uh, bring over your existing apps. And someone said, well, actually, it's because it's a storyboard you don't need to tweak. Well, you're, you're taking... An app that was designed for a, a, a phone that can be like 4.3 inches across, and now you're going to put it on a 50-inch screen, and you don't <laughs> want to tweak your UI? You definitely want to tweak your UI. Um, 
So, but it, it's super simple. It's just a storyboard. You drag and drop, boom, boom, boom. Naturally, as soon as Apple released it, I downloaded Xcode. Um, and, you know, our engineers are hard at work working on supporting Apple TV. So I wrote a couple of Hello World apps and played around with the, uh, the APIs using Swift, just so that when we've got the bindings ready to go, I already had experience with it. Um, but it should be noted that in the in the launch, there was actually a Xamarin app feature. Did you see that? I did. I was very excited when I saw it. We all, everybody was watching it on the Apple TV in, in the Boston office and at Xamarin, and everybody went wild. They were stomping a floor. They were screaming. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. But, but I think it's interesting with Universal Search as well. It's kind of taking, it, is it so, Sonos? Sonos? I think it is, yeah. Sonos? Which one? <laughs> Sonos. Sonos. Yeah, so with Sonos, you get this uh, universal search as well, um, where you, you know you type in a song and it'll bring up all your services. So it could be Netflix, it could be Spotify. Um, and then you just click on, the, I guess, the top link. I, norm- I normally since, tend to stick with uh, Spotify. Um, but Apple has brought this concept over to Apple TV. So you can search for you know your favorite movie. And if it's on Netflix, it will show you Netflix result. If it's if you've already bought it and it's on your Apple TV, boom, you can start watching it. Or you could even just rent it from there. Um, so that that was pretty cool. I liked that. I can the see, demo for I that was amazing. My... Like if you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it because they would. The person who was demoing did a great job. And to be fair, they put her in a really, really good spot because everything worked out great, but it would have been awful had it not. I mean, they did things like show me the Jason Bourne movies, which you'd expect to come up. You can even say, hey, show me that Parks and Rec scene where blah, blah, blah was a guest star. Like it can do that sort of search, which is amazing because I don't know, a lot of times you can't Mm. even find that stuff when you're just Google searching and you have to dive through pages. And it was pretty amazing that, that the search could just do that just from my voice in a simple sentence, I could find the episode I was looking for. I know that's going to be a big hit. I hope it's not kind of like Siri where you were like, you were kind of really had your hopes up that you're just going to be able to do everything with Siri. And then you get it and you're like, oh, I mean, this is okay, but it's not like the best thing ever. But man, I'm really excited for search on the TV. Sorry, I didn't catch that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't catch that. Or like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's... My, my mom has a really, has a really, really deep Southern accent and it can never pick it up. So I'm hoping they've improved the, the uh, engine for that in the TV. And from the demo, it looked like they had. So I'm, I'm really pumped about that. So I've heard that with iOS 9, Siri is starting to learn your voice. So that, because obviously with the iPhone, with the new iPhone, they've added something to the A9 chip that allows it to do an always-on Hey Siri without using up vast amounts of CPU time. So it keeps battery life reasonable. But in order to not have your TV constantly, you know, getting Siri to wake up, which is what, you know, I can be listening to a dance song. And there's no, not even any lyrics to it. And every now and again, Siri will be like, hey, I didn't get that. And I'll be like, it, that was a bass line. Um, but now she's learning my voice. So that, you know, when someone goes and picks up your phone, they're like, hey, Siri, it just won't respond. Which I think is pretty interesting that Apple is building a profile about how I speak. But it also means that I need to stop talking to Siri like an idiot. Because sometimes I'll be like, hey, Siri! <laughs> Tell me yeah. about, and I just do it in stupid voices because I'm like I'm talking to a computer and I'm alone in the house. I'm not I'm not going to do it in a normal voice. So I'm pretty sure Siri has a, a strange idea of how I normally speak. Yeah, multiple personality um, so disorder for Mike. That's in your profile. <laughs> <laughs> 
And one thing I thought was funny about the Apple TV demo too was they trotted out Eddie Q, which I love Eddie Q. If you remember from our WWDC announcement, he was the guy. Remember, Mike just said something about how it was evident that they had cut 20 to 30 minutes from the presentation. And Eddie Q just got trotted out there. He drew the short stick. And he was the guy who had to just play music for like 30 minutes. <laughs> the Apple music for like 30 minutes. <laughs> and they tried to make it up to him this time. And so they just sent him out there for the TV. And we were joking around. I mean, he did a great job, but we were joking around that uh, he was going to try and fill 20 to 30 minutes by just showing us different trailers that he could see on the TV. Uh, <laughs> props to Eddie Q. I love you, man. Big fan of Eddie Q. Other big TV news, there's a markup language now for the TV in addition to all the iOS UI stuff that you can do. Yeah, so th this is really interesting, you know, kind of segueing back into a developer uh, podcast. Um, <laughs> if, if you're a JavaScript developer, a Apple's got you covered. There are going to be situations where you've already got your back-end infrastructure that you're just streaming endless amounts of content. Um, you know, you've built a Netflix clone. You've, you've seen the success of Netflix and you're like, I want a bit of that pie. Um, you, you don't want to have to build an entire native UI app, you know, with UI kit and the Jet to C Swift or, well, hey, C Sharp. Um, you, you just want a, you know, super quick to market app that you don't really have to worry about. You care about the back, back end. Well, they've got you covered. I think that they, with the, the first beta that's been released, they ship nine pre built templates, which covers most situations that a, a TV app would. would would need and this is very much aimed at the streaming side of things um this isn't you know you're not going to be getting templates for games um it's it's templates for browsing content displaying and browsing movies and series and displaying them um but this is all javascript uh, it's just a markup language as well it's pretty pretty similar to xml um it's it's i think it's quite interesting that apple have done that and i wonder if that's you know something that's come from the pre-existing apple tvs that when you know netflix app was built because i understand the netflix app for apple tv isn't a currently isn't a native app but it's just a, a web app so i wonder if that's you know just something that they brought over from the existing uh, technology that they've had rather than creating it fresh for tvos um, so it's worth noting with the app size, uh, you know, you may have heard of this. Apple has introduced a maximum uh, 200 meg limit on your app size. And you're probably thinking, that doesn't sound like an awful lot. But they do kind of have you covered. In iOS 9, they, they, they brought in this idea of resources on demand. So you break up your app. If you've got a huge game, you know, that's got 10 levels, the first download should always just be, you know, the first level. And when you need the extra assets for level two, when the player has gone through level one, you can request within the app, hey, go and fetch me all the assets for level two. And you've tagged these in Xcode. Uh, and it will go to the, the store and it will go and download them for you. And it deals with downloading and fetching it for you. So you don't have to go and put in a whole load of networking codes to go and do the fetching. Um, well, they've brought this to Apple TV, which I think makes perfect sense um, because... You know, as I was saying earlier, I've got an Xbox that's got a hard drive in it. It's, it doesn't have infinite amount of space. And I'm a really, really bad gamer. If anyone wants to add me on Xbox Live, they can see just how bad I am. 
um, especially at, at shoot 'em ups. You know, I just don't have the dexterity to be able to, you know, f- respond in nearly enough time to uh, to not die instantly every single time. Um, so most games, I struggle to get past the first couple yeah. of levels, but it's filled up huge amounts of space on the hard drive on my Xbox of levels that I'm never ever going <laughs> going to see myself. So I think this is quite a nice solution to that. That you know. We'll get the content as you need it. I don't think many apps are going to hit this. I think it's mostly going to be games that hit the 200 meg mark. Um, or, you know, really graphic heavy apps. Um, but but given that it uses UIKit, I wouldn't be surprised if tools like Paint Code don't already work. Uh, that's a, it's a, I may have to test that out later. Um, but it, it, certainly if Paint Code does work for tvOS... You should be using a tool like that. It's going to generate all the drawing code for you. It's going to bring down the amount of assets that you have to ship. And especially now that you're going to be running, as I said before, from you know the tiny little mobile phones up to a 50-plus inch screen. Um, should should note that tvOS uh, maxes out at 1080. So you're not going to be running a 4K screen off a tvOS-based device um, right now. And I think that makes sense, especially with this 200 meg uh, limit yeah and i mean they already announced a ton of other stuff that's going to be going in 1.0 of tvos so you you got to be pretty happy with tvos overall oh yeah yeah did, did you see how they handle images i did not because that was something i thought was very interesting that so the they've got this idea of parallax so when, when you're like hovering on a button and it's in focus it's gonna like wobble a little bit and it's got depth to it which it looks beautiful but now for every like button image you create, it's actually about four or five images, all slightly offset by a couple of you know d- degrees on the X and Y here and there, so that you get this sense of depth. So it is going to make creating images for tvOS much, much harder. So I, I kind of expect that some entrepreneur is going to create an app for that, so that you know we can grab it from the Mac App Store and generate all our artwork. Um, using that because otherwise it's going to be a real nightmare but it looks beautiful um really impressed with that amazing finally we talked a little bit about the ios 9 announcements the new hardware coming to the apple lineup tvos and they circled back around to their original wwc announcement and talked a little bit about the apple watch so apple announced some new bands that are actually stylish which i think is important because i mean the other bands weren't terrible but the third-party bands were, like, much more popular for the um, most part. I saw people wearing third-party bands more than I did the official Apple bands. And so Apple, you could tell, was kind of like, okay, maybe we need to get some nicer bands and rolled those out. And then they also had the revelation that there are now 10,000 yeah. apps uh, that support the Apple Watch. I mean, that is amazing, isn't it? Yep. 10,000 apps. How, do you have an Apple Watch? I do not. I would okay. like an Apple Watch, but not, not for that price. Hey Joseph, if you're listening on the uh, on the way into work, Joseph is our boss. Just to clarify to anyone else, uh, we should probably get Pierce on Apple Watch. Probably, uh, yeah, that could be very important to my day to day responsibilities. Uh, very important for me to yeah. have an Apple Watch and also the new Apple TV. Yeah, and an iPad Pro. and an iPad Pro with the pencil. Don't forget that. Yeah, naturally. Um, yeah, so I've got an Apple Watch. I've got um, it's the oh, it's, it was the cheapest forty two millimeter uh, in black. And I went with the cheapest um, 
band as well and it, it just feels horrible i don't wear it very often um so i'll go out for a drink i'll, I'll wear my watch because i want to i want to know how many steps i've taken between here and where i'm going but as soon as i get there if i'm sat at a table i take my watch off and i lay it on the desk because it just feels so horrible on my skin um so I'm definitely going to go and have a look at these new new bands to see if there's one that you know feels a bit nicer. Um, but with regards to the 10,000 apps, I'm blown away by that. That is a staggering amount of apps. Um, but I said this before. I think I may say said it to James. Um, the app I use most on my watch is a watch app. So I I kind of wonder if maybe a real watch would just be equally as useful to me. Yeah. rather than a smartwatch. Because, yeah. uh, uh, don't get me wrong, I love the notifications. Um, I, th- I find them very useful, but actually, as I say, the, the app that I spend, you know, 99.9% of my time in is the watch app. And maybe that was, you know, Apple saying that, you know, we get the watch experience right and all the extra stuff is, you know, secondary to the main idea of what this watch is about. Um but, you know, there, there's some great apps in the UK. Um, the one I, I really like, and they just redesigned their iOS app, um, and it is beautiful, is uh, the train line. So it's how you can book train tickets. And uh, their, their watch app will tell you, you know, what what time your train is departing, and it gives you little taps to let you know that, you know, the train's about to depart. Um, and you can get updates on there about the status of the train. Uh, and I really like that. That's a nice touch. Um, you know, that when I walk through the... Uh, the entrance to the train station, I don't have to pull out my phone to find my booking reference. I can just do it all on my wrist, um, which is pretty nice. But again, I use that just, you know, a couple of minutes here and there. Um, I, I don't think I've spent any any great time in any app other than the clock. Yeah, and you mentioned how much you use notifications and how big a fan you are of notifications. I'm actually the opposite. I'm trying to minimize my notifications now because I'm just hit with so much stimuli around me. Like my phone's buzzing and I'm getting messages on Slack and I'm getting new emails and there's so much stimuli always hitting me that that's the problem. If I got a watch, I would have to turn off almost all the notifications and to the point to where, what's the point, you know? But that being said, it's hard for me to judge it because I think if I actually had one for a little period of time and got used to it and got it set up right and everything, I think I would probably use it a decent bit. Um, It's just looking from afar, maybe I'm a little bit more skeptical. Yeah, I think you have to be pretty strict on what notifications you allow through. Um, and I, I still get it that uh, people will comment, at you like, do you have somewhere to be? And uh, as, soon, as soon as I tell them, you know, it's an Apple Watch, I, I can't help it. It's, it's constantly trying to get my attention. Um, they, they seem to understand. Um, but it's something I've been quite conscious of, actually, that, you know, I'll be sat chatting to someone and all of a sudden I'm looking at my watch. And even with other people that are in tech, I, I was with uh, Richard Hopkins, our engineer for the success team uh, in London. And we were out having dinner. And it was a really lovely dinner, having a whale of a time, really great company. And I was looking at my watch because I was getting notifications. And it's like, he said to me, do you have somewhere to be? And I felt awful for it. Um, I was like, no, I'm really sorry. And he owns an Apple Watch as well, so he completely understands it. But he's still, you know... It's so embedded in us as, you know, humans that when we're looking at our wrist, it, it's not for notifications; it's for the time. And then you start to worry, is it? Yeah. So I, I'm, you have to be pretty strict about notifications on on the Apple Watch. 
So this was a pretty comprehensive recap of all the news from the special announcement. There was definitely some random rants thrown in the middle of it, but that's the Xamarin Podcast for you. It's great to be back with you guys. We're going to try and stick with our regular cadence of having an episode out every two weeks. If you like the Xamarin Podcast, be sure to give us a shout out on Twitter. And obviously, if you have any content for this week in Xamarin, anything like that, any show ideas, please feel free to tweet those to MikeCodes.net or Pierce Bogan on Twitter. Uh, This has been another edition of Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan. And I'm Mike James. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, love you guys.